Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your co-host, Peter Go, alongside our co-host, David Go. Excited today to cover the Brewers position player grades for the 2020 season. Um, as you may have already heard from our last episode, we covered uh, the Brewers grades. Uh, and in addition to that, today we'll also be giving an update on the MLB playoffs. Uh, spoiler alert, the Astros are eliminated, so that's a good thing. That's really all, that, that should be like all that we really cover for the MLB playoffs, because that's all that really matters if you're a Brewers fan. Um, but anyways, uh, covering the MLB playoffs, uh, like I said, as well as the pitchers grades for the year. And then, uh, some of our typical segments, our random player of the day, and then our trivia question of the day, which while I'm on that, uh, today's trivia question is who are the Brewers top three winningest managers? So mull that over while we go through the podcast. And as usual, we will cover the answer to that question again, who are the Brewers' top three winningest managers of all time. And like I said, we'll cover that at the end of the podcast. Uh, but anything else to add, David, before we jump into the uh, position player grades? Well, one thing that I just want to note, so actually we're recording this on Sunday night, so we do not know the results of Dodgers-Braves yet. However, if the Braves win tonight, it'll be the first time that the team that defeated the Brewers in the postseason did not either uh, make or win the World Series. So 81, uh, the Yankees lost in the World Series. 82, of course, the Brewers lost in the World Series. So Cardinals won that series, of course. 08, Phillies won the World Series. 2011, Cardinals won the World Series. 2018, Dodgers lost in the World Series. 19, Nationals won in the World Series. Wow. So if the Dodgers win today, that streak will hold true seventh time in a row. Have to think that that's not the case for any other team. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's besides maybe time, a team that... It's only made the playoffs of a course. Times, yeah, well, yeah. I guess if the Braves win the Marlins, that is the case because right. that's the only right. time that they've lost. But right. either way, interesting, interesting streak. I was just thinking about that uh, just earlier today. Uh, but I'm excited to go over the postseason and some of the some of the guys who performed. And I guess I don't know if I'd say the, they carried the Brewers to the postseason because that was really the pitching staff. Yeah, but that maybe helped a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So really, let's just dive into those position players. Like we talked about starting behind the dish there uh, with um, Omar Narvaez. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll start with the bright one here, yeah. starting with Narvaez. Uh, what was your grade for Narvaez for this year? I would give him a D minus. Some would give him a failing grade. I think that his war number is too high. Uh, he, you know, I don't put a ton of emphasis on the eye test. And I know that his, his defensive metrics ended up grading out pretty well. Personally, I don't really buy it in a small sample size, or at least I don't buy it very much. I wouldn't put too much stock in it. Yeah, I do think that he's improved from last year, but I don't think that he's a guy who's one of the best defensive catchers in baseball, like um, some of the, the fan graphs or the baseball reference metrics might have suggested. Yeah, I thought his defensive stats, I was shocked when I saw him, because like you said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm more uh, data-driven, I, I like that, but there is still the eye test, and he didn't look very good. I mean, I think we got spoiled with some of the, the guys we've had behind the plate. Grandal, a good defender. Luke Roy was always a very good defender, even dating back to Jason Kendall. Uh, so the Brewers have had some good defensive backstops in the past, mm -hmm. and watching Narvaez receive 
was not very pretty. Shades of Johnny Estrada. Yeah, that's that's exactly who I was thinking of. One thing I was actually thinking of too is Martin Maldonado is the Astro starting catcher. Yeah. They of course were just eliminated, but he really has outlasted Lucroy as an effective catcher. They came up at similar times, Maldonado just slightly later, but they're the same age. Lucroy of course catching a lot men, a lot more games during the course of his Brewers career, and I'm sure that that plays a role in it. But interesting that Maldonado has kind of outlasted Luke Roy. Yeah, to, to, to think that Maldonado would be a starting catcher for a playoff team in 2020 um, at, when he was with the Brewers would be outlandish. Uh, so it is good for Maldonado. He's been able to turn out to a pretty solid career built upon his uh, very good defense behind the dish and, you know, manageable offense production that he does have. But either way, uh, yeah, Narvaez was very disappointing. Probably got to go between D- and an F. Uh, we've talked a little bit on this in the past, uh, but would you be in favor of keeping Narvaez for next year? I would. I don't think that the sample size is big enough from an offensive standpoint. And then maybe you can at least kind of have those defensive uh, improvements, the strides that he made as kind of the safety net in case it doesn't work out. And I don't think it'll come at more than a few million dollars in arbitration. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you as well. Sample size was small. The cost isn't going to be too high, and for the potential that Narvaez could be a pretty good catcher, I think it's worth the risk. Uh, and as well as the fact that Manny Pena, uh, who likely will be the other catcher there, is also a very good defender and does complement Narvaez pretty well too, also hitting from the opposite side of the plate. Uh, Pena, of course, with the injury this year, had a limited uh, number of games, but what was your grade for Manny Pena this year? I would give him a B plus in the amount of time he had. The thing is he had 45 plate appearances in 15 games, yet finished fifth in F war. So that's something that you look at and, and I think your head. Yeah, that yeah. kind of speaks to the testament. If he would have played a full year, we're looking at a guy who was far and away the Brewers' best player. Yeah. I don't think he would have necessarily maintained the exact pace that he was at, but he still probably would have been since he was their most consistent offensive performer earlier in the year. And his defense is pretty good as well. He has one year left under contract. I'm sure that they'll uh, retain him. I think that he actually could be a solid starter, kind of like Maldonado. He's been more of a backup, but I think that he could be a starting catcher. But I do see the Brewers retaining him. And like you said, kind of having that safety net there also yeah. um, for Narvaez in case he struggles. I like that the Brewers know roughly what they're going to get from Pena. Uh, Narvaez is much more up in the air. And the other thing I like, the Brewers do have flexibility at the position because let's say they go into 2021, Pena gets most of the starts, Narvaez continues to struggle, so they give up on Narvaez. They have a very viable option that we've now, uh, in 2020, have seen Jacob Nottingham, who I, I wouldn't have been so confident about in the past, but now if the Brewers were to get to a point where they decided to part ways with Narvaez, Nottingham has shown that he is a very viable option as a second catcher, and I would feel very comfortable with the Brewers uh, having a combination of Pena Nottingham if Narvaez doesn't work out next year. And like I mentioned, Nottingham coming onto the scene this year, uh, appearing in 20 games. What, what, what would you grade Nottingham's season? I would give Nottingham a B. I think that he, there's a lot more that could be there with the bat. Overall, I think he did a, did a pretty good job considering that he was the third catcher on the depth chart. He was pretty good uh, defensively, and that's yeah. something that you look at, and that's what you really want out of a catcher. I think that offense is a plus out of the catching position, especially with the high demands nowadays of scouting reports, calling games, and things of that nature, even beyond the framing or the blocking or the base runners. I thought that Nottingham did a really good job, especially for a rookie, and I think it's kind of been a long time coming. Yeah, Nottingham is a guy who's been in the organization for four years now. And he finally got his opportunity. And even though he hit 188, he did have some good power. 
and good defense, which is, I think, more important coming out of that catcher position. Yeah, Nottingham, I think, impressed overall. I was very happy with the way he performed. And like I said, I'm confident uh, in him being a number two catcher on the Brewers uh, going forward if that's necessary. Uh, so overall, I thought the catching position, I mean, Narayas, of course, struggled, but Pena looked good in his uh, short time, and Nottingham was also a, a pleasant surprise as well. Uh, moving over to first base, which was not a pleasant surprise, not Justin Smoke. Uh, grade for Justin Smoke on this year? F. First one of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Smoke, 186, 262 on base, 381 slugging bad defensively, one of the slowest players in baseball. There wasn't really much positive there on Smoke for 2020. I thought that a, a bounce back was actually going to happen, and he bounced back <laughs> lower than he was before. I don't necessarily think that this means he's no longer a viable major leaguer, but I do think that um, it was an extremely disappointing season for a first baseman who probably won't even get a major league deal next year now because of his struggles. So I, I think it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I don't think that it's something um, that we really need to be concerned about. I, you know, it was a one-year deal. It didn't work out, yeah. and the Brewers will move on now because of it. Yeah, not the end of the world, like you said. It was it was a tough year for Smoke, for the Brewers. It was unfortunate timing, but like you said, uh, Smoke and the Brewers part ways and kind of move on, uh, see potentially who wants to replace, who the Brewers will choose to replace him. Another disappointing year, second baseman Keston Hira, uh, coming off a very strong rookie year, 2019. Uh, what did you grade Hira for the year? I'd give Hira a C-. minus. He did lead the Brewers in hits somehow. He hit 212. <laughs> I don't really know how that how that happens. Um, I guess by his number, Sheer of number, plate, yeah, yeah. number of plate appearances, that's really why. But he led the Brewers in hits and home runs, but he also led the major leagues in strikeouts, I believe. So not really a good year. He he took a step back, and I think that he's also a guy who kind of fell victim to the season that was not normal. There's nothing really that was normal about it. So I think that we can look for him to improve again next year, kind of be back to where he was. That was going to be my question. We saw a great year from 2019 for Hira. He burst onto the scene, exceeded Brewers' expectations that year. And then this this year, of course, disappointing. Do you see 2021 as a mix between those two years? Do you see him returning to 2019 for him? Where do you see as far as expectations for 2021? I would say that he is kind of in the same spot as he was going into 2020. I think that he's still a very good hitter. Um, he looked a little bit lost, but I think he's also a guy that will learn from his mistakes and move on. So I don't think that he's young. We saw what he can do. Uh, he has a proven track record, both college and the minor league level. Um, even though his defense isn't very good, I, I don't think that I'm, I, I'm not, personally, I'm not overly concerned. I still think that he's a middle of the order bat that we're looking at going forward. Yeah, Brewers fans definitely hoping for a rebound for Hira next year. Uh, a, a guy who did have a pretty solid year, shortstop Orlando Arcia, um, did have that two run shot off Bueller in the in the playoffs. RC, playoff Arcia did mm -hmm. appear uh, during during the, the Brewers' brief uh, run in the playoffs this year, but Arcia did all right offensively and ninety six weighted runs created plus and uh, the typical good defense over at shortstop, which was important for Arcia. It was an important year for him, uh, kind of a make or break year where he needed to at least show up 
um, and maintain his role in the starting starting lineup, and he was able to do so for the most part. Yeah, I would give RC a B plus. I thought he did a pretty admirable job at shortstop. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to see Arcia or Urias getting most of the reps at short, or even some Eric Sogard mixed in. Arcia ended up really taking that job. He played 59 games out of 60, and he uh, was a pretty consistent hitter. Might have been their most consistent hitter all year long. Um, he, he did take steps forward offensively. He just looked better offensively yeah, at the plate. Yeah. He looked better. Even um, even the numbers will back that up. Yeah, less, less of those, um, you know, those pitches that he swung at where you just kind of shook your head and wondered mm -hmm. what he was doing, what like just where he just looked lost out there. A lot less of those, which uh, of course will formulate to, to better outcomes. Certainly. And one thing that's interesting to note is his defensive run saved mark, I think was negative seven runs for the year. Whereas his uh, UZR's ultimate zone rating for uh, fan graphs is what it's used for. They had him at positive 2.6 runs above average. So that's a little bit of a, that's a pretty big aberration um, and I'm not exactly sure where it comes from. Uh, so I certainly will look deeper to try to figure out where the discrepancy is. Generally, I've heard that defensive run saved is a little bit more um, more trustworthy. But at the same time, um, that's not necessarily a good thing that one is very good and one is frankly not very good, I guess, to, to say the least. RCL also by the baseball savant statcast outs above average metric was just negative one run below average. Uh, so we're looking at a guy then who's close to average there. I think it kind of evens out um, to kind of an average fielder, but with someone who has really looked good from just a scouting perspective defensively, RC is a guy, especially with his bat, that you really you want him to be above average as a shortstop defensively, and that's kind of what you what you bank on. And I do think that he is a little bit better than maybe some of these metrics suggest, and maybe he had a little bit of a down year defensively, although this isn't something that we've seen only one year. He's kind of been a little bit inconsistent. So I think looking forward, um, we're going to want to see a little bit more consistency with the glove and hopefully continued um, production from the bat where at least we can see him as a solid bottom of the order guy to kind of flip the the lineup around. Yeah, he did he did swing the bat well like you said. Uh hopefully the defensive metric numbers do turn around next year. I know he's had some years that have been kind of kind of questionable from the metrics side of things. Uh from the eye test he's looked pretty good. Uh so like you said, we'll see what happens for 2021 but Arcia uh with a pretty good year for this year for the Brewers. Another guy you mentioned, Luis Urias, who we weren't really sure where he was going to fit in. Uh, then he had the uh, injury late start to the year. Uh, did still get uh, 120 plate appearances this year and actually came up swinging the bat really hot. Uh, he was the Brewers' best hitter for a handful of games. Uh, was a nice spark for a short time, but ended up only hitting uh, 239 on the year and less than impressed offensively, um, playing primarily at third base with Arcia taking the shortstop role and uh, Hira manning second for the most part uh, with getting some mix in DH as well. But Urias uh, ended up having a below average offensive season. And where did that put Urias as far as your grade this year? I gave Urias a D plus. Um, I thought there was a lot more. He didn't really have a lot of power. His walk rate was fine. Struck out a little bit more than you might have wanted for a guy who's a pretty high contact guy. He's going to hit a lot of singles, usually in walk a fair amount. 
he was fine defensively around the infield, primarily playing third base, but also playing some second and a little bit of short. I think that he could be a shortstop going forward. Council actually expressed that, that he seems like a shortstop going forward, whereas a lot of prospect evaluators had him as a second baseman coming up. And that's something to watch uh, and see a little bit with Arcia also. I think Arcia is a guy who could possibly get traded this offseason, um, depending on what the market is like. Teams might be looking for some more, less expensive options to kind of fill their holes. So maybe Arcia is a guy that's traded. You look at Urias at short and then add a third baseman. What, what kind of return would you see the Brewers getting for Arcia um, after, you know, he's had some all right years, but of course not, not to what, if you remember, if you recall a couple of years ago when Arcia was coming up and the Brewers were talking about, I don't know how serious the talks were, if it was just really speculation of what if the Brewers traded their top prospect. I, I believe he cracked the top 10 mm-hmm. prospect list. Four, number four yeah. on MLB.com. Yeah. I know. I remember talking about, you know, what, it, should the Brewers trade him? Should the Brewers not? Mm-hmm. And what kind of haul they would get yeah. then. But what about now after, you know, he's had some inconsistent years and hasn't hasn't quite uh, developed into the player that some people thought he might be. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that we'd be looking at a huge haul by any means. I think that we'd be looking at a guy who uh, maybe like a, a solid relief prospect or maybe like a, a back end of the rotation starter. Maybe a guy who is kind of a, a below average starter at a position like third base or in the outfield. So I don't think that we're looking at like a huge return for him. He has a couple of years left of team control, but he's he's not like a high impact player, but he's a guy who will fill a hole, address a need for, uh, I would say, a, a contending team, not necessarily like a, a Dodgers right. or, or Rays or uh, a team like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I think the Brewers, it'll just depend on the offers that they're, they do receive for Arcia. And potentially the Brewers' best offensive player, uh, we both gave the Brewers... Uh, uh, not sorry, newcomer player of the year award to Jed Jerko, who impressed offensively, uh, similar to Smoke getting a one-year deal, um, and the Brewers plugging him in over at first base and third base, especially after Smoke uh, Smoke's dismissal. But Jerko swung the bat very well, uh, hit 248, 333 on base, and a 504 slugging, uh, but above average uh, offensively and was serviceable on the defensive side of things, uh, and unfortunately was one of the Brewers' best contributors on offense. So where where does that leave Jerko as far as his grading goes? Mm-hmm. A minus for Jerko, I thought. He did a pretty good job. The thing is, he was maybe their best position player. He's probably their best hitter, but he was a, a little bit above average of a player as a whole. Um, we're not looking at a guy who was a, an all-star level or a, a superstar by any means, but he did pretty well. They have a club option on him for, I think it's four and a half million with a million dollar buyout. I certainly hope they pick it up. I don't know if he'll necessarily have as good of a year, but I don't think that he's a guy who will will regress a lot. He had a bad year in 2019 because of injuries. Uh, but if you look before that, he had a number of years where he was an average player. And that's well worth the $3.5 million difference between that buyout and being the option, having the option picked up. Right. And we don't even know what the Brewers' plans are for third base. And Jerko gives them a little bit more flexibility. And if they are able to add a quality third baseman, then Jerko coming off the bench only adds more depth. So I t- absolutely agree. Uh, even if we do expect some regression from Jerko, it's well worth the price tag that the Brewers would be paying. Another infielder who got uh, a fair amount of playing time was left-handed hitter Eric Sogard, who was rather unimpressive this year. Uh, struggled uh, offensively, played some third base, played some second base, uh, but overall had a disappointing 2020. Uh, what was your grade for Eric Sogard? Is there such thing as an F+. Uh, I, I don't believe so. Because... 
Um, I would give him the plus for the walk-off home run against the Pirates, but everything else I would give him a failing grade. He was not good yeah. at all. He he was ineffective offensively. He was fine defensively, but if you have a guy who's at 50% worse than yeah. league average, if he would have played a full season last year, he'd be the worst hitter in baseball. And on top of that, he it's not like he was a high-impact defender. He was an average defender. <laughs> right, right. We're not looking at a guy who's who really is a as had a had a good year. So I would give him a an, an F plus. plus, I guess. Is it safe to say the Brewers will be parting ways with Sogard? I hope so. He has an option also for similar price as Jerko, but I think that I think that they'll decline his. I, I certainly hope that they do. Yeah. It didn't work out. And that's fine. He had a career year last year. This year he had a career down year maybe yeah. i mean he was he was pretty bad two years ago also yeah uh but i i mean he's a fine player I, but i certainly think that he would be a better fit elsewhere yeah i would agree i think it's a tough year uh move on and and try to add some depth elsewhere jace peterson uh didn't get a ton of playing time but 26 games for peterson uh utility man where would you grade peterson I gave him a C because his 24.6% walk rate, I did not realize that. He hit 200 with a 393 on base. We're talking Barry Bonds levels. I'd, I would just go up there without a bat if I were him yeah. at that rate. Bob Euchre-esque. Yeah. I mean, 20, almost 25% walk rate. So just mm-hmm. if he gets on base one out of four times, put, yeah. him, put him, bat him in front of Yelich. Yeah. <laughs> he had a 113 weighted runs created plus 1% better than Yelich. Actually, um, because of the 393 on base percentage, he was not fun to watch, but he walked a lot. Kind of reminds me of Jake Elmore. Do you remember yep. Jake Elmore? Yeah, former he was a bench Astros infielder, yeah. utility, mm-hmm. utility guy. Yeah, he he played for the Brewers for one year. Yep, and he had an on base percentage, I think, around 380, 390, but also hit like 230. Yeah, so I, that's kind of who Jace Peterson reminds me of in this case. And Peterson had good defensive versatility. Yep. I think they can keep him. I, I don't think they will, but um, but I right. He got I, on base he fine. And, and he was he was kind of the replacement of Aaron Perez. I guess uh, the replacement as far as utility wise, Perez of course did not walk a lot. Uh, Peterson the opposite, but he got on base. Uh, he was serviceable as a utility man. Did his job. Uh, we'll see if the Brewers decide to bring him back next year. Uh, but not a huge piece either way. More of a depth guy. Before we go to the outfield, maybe cover just a couple incomplete. Grades: uh, Mark Mathias, Brock Holt, Lomo, uh, Logan Morrison, and then Vogelbach, who did get 67 plate appearances. I don't know uh, if you want to give him a grade A plus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would I wouldn't give him an A plus. Yeah. I'd probably go A minus uh, because he he's not great on uh, outside of the hitting, but he was a spark. He I, th- I don't know if they make the postseason without Dan Vogelbach. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought I'd say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but he, he was very good when he got there. He only had 19 games, 67 plate appearances, uh, mostly at DH. I think they'll bring him back. It w- it'll be at a pretty low price. And it'll be interesting, too. It'll also depend on whether the DH is in play next year because... Mm-hmm. I think that's what right. it's dependent on. Right. And and like you said, only 67 plate appearances, but Vogelbach still found himself sixth on the team as far as F4 goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's producing little to nothing with the exactly. base running and with the defense. So Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that it's really yeah, dependent yeah. on the DH. Vogelbach situation. did swing the bat well. He was a good addition for the Brewers. Absolutely. Uh, a lot better than Justin Smoke, and then those incomplete guys, Matthias Holt and Lomo. Uh, where do where do they go uh, as far as next year? 
Mark Mathias, I think they'll keep as a depth option. He's a utility guy who will be retained at the league minimum, kept on the 40-man roster. I think he still has minor league options left. Um, Brock Holt has since departed. He was with the Nationals already by the end of the year. Logan Morrison, he's he's not going to come back to the Brewers. He did have that one home run off Trevor Bauer, though. Um, gave Blue him a kiss when he rounded third base. That was pretty early on in the year. But, I mean, they were all guys who... Uh, they they didn't really play that well. Yeah. yeah. Matthias had, a, I think, one or two good games. Mm-hmm. But he also didn't literally didn't walk. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. So, could take a page out of Peterson's book. But, anyways, not to spend too much time on some of those guys. But, moving on to the outfield. Christian Yelich, uh, Brewers uh, leader in F-War uh, by a hair. Uh, but anyways, Yelich, disappointing year. Where do you see uh, Yelich's grade after his uh, 2019 season? C minus, because I think you look at the expectations, and he certainly did not produce to what the expectations were. He played pretty much every game, uh, but he only hit 205, which I think that that maybe undermines a little bit of his ability. He did have a 356 on base percentage and slugged 430. Not exceptional numbers, but above average. So I think that Yelich wasn't maybe quite as bad as you he may have looked when you watched the games however he had a 30.8 strikeout strikeout rate i think yeah. he had the second most strikeouts in the national league only to Keston hira certainly not something that you want to have if you're the brewers and he also had 12 home runs which is pretty good so you overall i would say had a pretty extreme season in that he walked a lot his power numbers were pretty good didn't get a lot of contact also his batting average on balls in play was extremely low I would fully expect that to bounce back. It was about 100 points lower than his his normal batting average on balls in play level is. And he was hitting the ball similarly as hard as he was previous years, maybe even a little bit harder. So I think as long as the strikeout rate bounces back to previous levels a little bit, I would think that the rest will take care of itself. I don't think there's anything to worry about with Yelich, but he did have a down year, certainly. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Like you said, the strikeouts were the biggest issue for Yelich. Batting average, of course, it's important. It's not uh, the end-all, be-all. So look for Yelich to have a bounce back next uh, year in 2021. And the Brewers certainly have the expectation that that will happen. Another guy that they'll be hoping for a bounce back year next year is uh, Avisayo Garcia, who ended up getting slotted into that center field role after Lorenzo Cain decided to opt out of the season. Uh, Garcia struggled offensively for the most part. Um, and did see did did uh, end up being a rather important pickup in the offseason with Kane opting out of the season. What did you give your grade for Garcia on this year? See, I have him as a B because even though his bat didn't produce as expected, he did fill in in center field and did pretty well defensively. He spent a lot of work during the season trying to become a, a serviceable defender, and he was more than that. So, obviously, Garcia, while he may not have impressed offensively, I think with him slotting back to right field next year, I think that's a, a pretty big thing for his bat, maybe bigger than any adjustment he could make in the offseason. I would I would see our Garcia as still a guy who's maybe a, a, a pretty good five five hitter, six hitter, is is overall a above average major league player. And do I recall correctly that the Brewers have Garcia under contract for one more year? Mm-hmm. At ten million. Yeah, which I, for what I expect him to be, I, I think was a good a good price tag. Uh, like I said, it it would it would have been a lot different. <clears throat> excuse me, if uh, Garcia had not signed with the Brewers this past year and Kane opted out of the season, I mean we would have se- seen a lot more Tyrone Taylor, Ben Gamble, uh, guys you don't want you know in starting roles or platoon roles really. Uh, so that was also an, important for this year. Uh, with Garcia adding uh, in the offseason. 
Ryan Braun, who may have played his final year in baseball this year, um, had just an all right year, uh, did battle with some typical uh, small injuries that he typically has run into over the past couple of years. Uh, also played a little bit of time over at DH this year, but uh, where did you have Ryan Braun graded for 2020? C plus I gave Braun. I thought that he did a pretty good job. He he wasn't great. He was fine. He had pretty good power numbers, but didn't get on base as much as you would have expected. I think he would have been a lot better in a regular season also. 232 batting average on balls in play. Also a very low mark. We were mentioning that with Yelich, and that's sort of luck-based, although bronze numbers aren't typically as high as Yelich's are. His 5% walk rate also was not very good, um, but th this probably was his last year of his career. Uh, so we'll see going forward. Of course, we'll keep you posted on that. If he does retire, we'll have a, a whole episode dedicated to Ryan Braun. Yeah, and his tears may be shed. Yes, his legacy um, with the Brewers. They certainly were treating it like it was his last last uh, go around um, on social media. Yeah, if you looked at some of his wife's Instagram posts, uh, it, it seemed like they were done in Milwaukee. So we'll we'll see about that and. We'll be talking about that more. Yeah, I would like to see the Brewers do more for him. He definitely deserves more. Uh, I know this year was was kind of unique. They don't know what he's going to do. But if he does choose to retire, I would really like them, at a minimum, bringing him back to be present for uh, game one of next year. Or even signing like a, a one-day or 10-day contract and giving him one more at-bat or one inning in the field. I, he, he deserves at least that um, as a top Brewers player of all time. And has really changed the the, the Brewers organization. Uh, think about where the Brewers were when Braun came, was drafted, early 2000s, and where the Brewers are now. Uh, a lot of that has to do around Ryan Braun. Of course, there's other factors as well. Ownership, GM, all of those things. But Braun played a, a huge role. I think he deserves more. I really hope the Brewers do more for him than a few Instagram posts, because uh, he certainly deserved it. Certainly. And I, I hope that what happens is not similar to what happened with Paul Molitor where Molitor ended up really becoming more of a Twins icon, I think, more than a Brewers icon. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I don't think Braun will become a Twins icon. No. <laughs> or any other team, for that matter. No, unless <laughs> unless Braun decided he wanted to come back and the Brewers weren't sure. willing to pay him Brett what he wanted, similar to that. Yeah. Or Molitor, I mean, even. Yeah, right. Although Molitor was, played six more yeah, years after yeah. that. Uh, but, yeah, C-plus for Braun. Anyways, uh, yeah, not to get too lost in that. Like you said, we will certainly keep you posted on that. Um, that really is the biggest uh, question of the offseason, I guess, as far as maybe maybe not biggest question as far as, you know, Brewer success going forward next year. But as a Brewer fan, it's a, it's a big deal. So anyways, moving over to uh, a couple lesser outfielders. Ben Gamble um, did get some playing time in the outfield. Didn't impress, but not huge expectations for Gamble this year. What was your grade for Gamble? C. I thought he was fine. His war number is a little bit low because he didn't grade out as very positive defensively. And he's playing primarily in the corner outfield spots where you expect a little bit more offensively. He was fine offensively. Certainly was not as good as, as he was in, in that summer camp yeah. that they had. Uh, so Ben Gamble, I would say, is just kind of... He, he, yeah. he did fine. Yeah, he was all right. Uh, depth kind of guy. And then finally, Tyrone Taylor. Uh, who came up late in the season, uh, but did make some defensive replacements primarily, uh, games where Ryan Braun was in the outfield uh, just to 
provide better defense late in the game. What was your grade for Taylor? I'd give him a B minus. He did fine, uh, kind of like Gamble, although he was a little bit better, smaller sample size, a little bit above average offensively. I, we finally saw Tyrone Taylor yeah. as a big leaguer. I thought that's a big thing. He eight years ago now that he was drafted, and I think four years, four or five years ago since he was their top prospect. So it's good to see that he is in the major leagues. I think that he'll he'll be retained for next year as a, a backup outfield option. I don't really see him ever being a starter, or at least I unless he takes significant strides yeah. forward. I don't think he will be, but he is a guy who is... He's a solid fourth yeah. outfielder, good good speed, good defender, uh, can can play center field too, which is which is a plus for a, an, an outfielder with depth. Uh, I think we'll see him back. Good to see him get some more playing time this year. Uh, and then finally, Lorenzo Cain, who played in just five games before opting out of the 2020 season. Uh, I'm going to make the uh, wild guess here that we're going to go incomplete on Cain. He did have uh, more wins above replacement than Tyrone Taylor, Keston Hira, Ryan Braun. Uh, so in five games, Cain was apparently better than Hira, both Hira and Braun individually. Uh, but Cain choosing not to play for personal reasons, and we'll be back for next year, of course, a year older, and with just a few years remaining on his contract. I'm excited to see Kane back next year. Two more years on his contract. He is getting up there in age, but I don't think that he'll be have, have a steep decline. And I, I don't think that he's a guy who would have just sat out and not really done anything baseball-related this year. So I think that he is a, a very key piece going into next year. They really need him to produce. He is their highest-paid player. So I, I, I would look at Kane as a, a big X factor for their success next year. Yeah. I think Brewers fans are excited to have Kane back, just just from a from an offensive standpoint, uh, but also just it's fun to watch, fun player to watch. Uh, like you said, two more years with the Brewers, and so now we've gone through individual grades. Uh, we like we talked about already covered all the pitchers' grades. If you haven't already listened to that, just hop over to our last episode after you finish this one. Uh, but just real briefly, want to go through just some team grades, you know, by starting pitchers, relief pitchers, offense, that sort of thing. So. Uh, Brewer starting rotation, we talked about some of those key guys. Of course, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns having two very good years. Uh, where did you have the Brewers uh, starting pitching as far as a grade uh, this year? I'd give them a, a B plus. I thought that they did a very good job. They had a 4.18 ERA, which was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Uh, but they had pretty good strikeout numbers. They limited the walks. You had Woodruff, who was a very good pitcher. Burns was a Cy Young candidate. Brett Anderson was solid throughout the year. Lynn Bloom did fine. So overall, I mean, you look at those guys and I think that they did a pretty good job. Uh, they actually were fourth in F war among all uh, starting rotations. Yeah. I think if you, if you look at expectations, I might even go as far as a minus because uh, Woodruff and Burns were outstanding, like you said. Um, and, and overall they were just, they were dependable. They were what uh, got a struggling team into the playoffs when they really shouldn't have. Uh, so the starting pitching, I, I think, was a pleasant surprise as well because the expectation, the Brewers expected their bullpen to be pretty solid, uh, maybe not as good as it was, but they did expect it to be pretty solid. The rotation, on the other hand, did have some expectations out of Woodruff, uh, hoping for a Burns bounce back, but really things turned out very well for the rotation, and Brewers hoping to build on that. Uh, maybe guys like uh, Lynn Bloom building on success from the second half of the year. Uh, hopefully Eric Lauer can turn things around from just a few bad starts that he had this year. And... Brewers hopefully can have another uh, top uh, top top in the major leagues rotation. Like I mentioned, the bullpen uh, expected to be pretty good, but exceeded expectations. 
Of course, we haven't talked about him enough. Devin Williams. <laughs> Just go to our last podcast. It's basically a podcast on Devin Williams. Uh, but Williams was uh, outstanding. Hater good again. And then guys like Brent Suter and Freddie Peralta, even Eric Yardley having good years. What was your grade for the Brewers bullpen? B plus also. Their run prevention was maybe not quite as good as it seemed, uh, but overall they did a very good job. Kind of similar. We look at Hader, Williams, Suter, Yardley, Peralta. All did very good jobs. Um, they also led the major leagues in strikeouts per nine by a full strikeout. The difference between number one and number two, the Reds, is the same as the difference between number two and number 11. So Brewers were far and away the best relief core in strikeout rate. Um, and their pitching war was only seventh among relievers, but I thought that they did a very good job. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily something that, um, that would be controversial to say or that... Um, that I, I think that their number is better than that seventh ranking in wins above replacement and their 11th ranking in ERA. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I think B plus to A minus. Hater could have been better. And like you said, some of their run prevention numbers could have been a little bit better, but strikeout numbers were there. Uh, I expect big things from the bullpen again next year. Freddie Peralta, we can finally settle the debate on that. Peralta will be in the bullpen, at least I don't know what they're doing if he's not. Um, but I'm excited to watch the Brewers' bullpen and really just their pitching in general next year. As far as pitching staff goes, I this is probably most excited for since, I, don't, I mean, probably since I've been born because, I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s Brewers were abysmal. I mean, late 2000s, I guess 2011, Grinky, Markham, Gallardo had some good arms there. 2008, of course, Sabathia was outstanding, but just for that half year. So really haven't been this excited about the Brewers pitching staff as a whole that I can ever remember. Uh, and I expect some pretty big things from uh, their pitching staff as a whole. But anyways, to move over to the offensive side of things, we talked about the Brewers' uh, abysmal offense this year. What was your ranking for the Brewers' offense as a whole? D, I'd say. I think the only saving grace is that the other NL Central teams did not fare well offensively also. So you look at that and maybe say, okay, the pitching was probably better as a whole in the division. I think that even with that, the Brewers still did not have a good offense, and it doesn't take deep analysis to figure right. that out. Uh, so you I'll look at I'd, batting average for that right. one. Yeah. yeah, 223. I'd give them a D on the offensive side of things. On the defensive side of things, I'd give them a C-. minus. They weren't at the levels that they had been at in previous years, but I I, I thought they were fine. They, yeah, I mean, they weren't terrible. When I think about some of the mixing and matching they did in the infield, Hero's not a very good defender. We talked about Arcia's metrics didn't look great this year. Urias being put over at third base, and then Jerko at first for most of the year. Uh, Smoke's Smoke numbers also look bad at first. Mm -hmm. And then Garcia having moved to center, mm -hmm. Braun not a great defender, uh, and then didn't have Pena uh, for the whole year either. So not I'm not totally shocked by the not as good defensive numbers. Uh, but yeah, Brewers defense, not as good uh, here in 2020. All right, to wrap things up for the grades, uh, what would you give uh, Craig Council and the rest of the uh, Brewers coaches for grade this year? I'd give them a B plus. I thought they did pretty well, actually, given what they had. Uh, uh, the players didn't contribute too well, especially on the offensive side of things. And he used what he could to kind of get by and sneak them into the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's what good managers do. Yeah, he mixed and matched uh, both offensively as well as uh, in the bullpen. I, I think generally did a pretty good job to pulling some of those guys when they weren't performing. Narvaez, Smoke, uh, two notable ones. But yeah, I think Council, as always, has, has done a good job. Uh, Council's been a great manager for the Brewers. Absolutely exceeded expectations. Hopefully he'll be here for a long time. 
And then finally, what was your grade for the Brewers? Uh, David Stearns, of course, their general manager, uh, and the rest of the management of the Brewers. I think there are two ways to look at it. You can look at what he did since uh, the season started. And for that, I would give him probably a, a B. I thought he did pretty well. Uh, he cut ties with Smoke. Uh, he brought in Vogelbach, which, of course, turned out really well. But I think if you look at David Stern since last season ended, right. I'd give him a C-. minus. I overall was not pleased with the moves that he made. Of course, some of them didn't work out. Like, I was in favor of them bringing in Smoke, although I wasn't in favor of them cutting ties with Thames in yeah. the first place. Yeah, Thames just dif- disappointed me. Uh, I was expecting that to be a lock and really didn't think twice about whether or not they'd bring him back. Of course, he didn't perform this year, but regardless, I was disappointed that they didn't choose to bring back uh, Thames this year. Yeah, and even Shaw. I actually I actually wanted them to bring in Shaw, um, and that's kind of a, a personal opinion. Stearns, of course, thought differently, but either way, I, I thought Stearns just did just okay in the past calendar year. Yeah, and he did strike out on, on Smoke. Uh, and some of those other guys. Jerko, of course, turned out well, uh, but a couple of those additions, Sogard, didn't work out too well, and overall didn't plug those holes the Brewers had. Uh, we'll see what Stearns, the rest of the management team, does decide to do. And and do I remember correctly that there were talks of Stearns being promoted as well this offseason? Possibly to team president. There are other clubs that looking are looking at him as maybe being the team president, so he would officially have, have some... Uh, some say in the business operations, and he would get a promotion with a new title and possibly a new contract. Um, But also one thing to note, we we didn't mention it, but he did lock up Yelich. So actually maybe bump him up to a C because that's that's as big as any move that he could have made. He pretty much just established the Brewers as as a contending team for the majority of the next decade almost. Right, right. So that is a fair point. Uh, it was a minor move, so we kind of forgot about it. But <laughs> Chris and Young, yeah. of course, being locked up. And we did have, I mean, just David and I talking to each other in the offseason and, and other Brewer fans we were talking to, we were kind of confused, frankly, the, the whole offseason until the Brewers announced the Yelich extension because uh, it seemed like they were just cutting, cutting, cutting as far as uh, payroll goes. And of course, we ended up kind of seeing the reasoning behind that later on when they did uh, sign Yelich to that big extension, which, again, huge for the Brewers. Uh, I think puts them in a in a good spot uh, over the next decade, and we'll see if the Brewers can uh, finally take a championship in the next ten years. Okay, so David, why don't you just before we head out wrap up wrap up our grades, and we'll quickly move on to our trivia question and random player of the day. Yeah, so I, I gave B plus to both starting rotation and the bullpen. Offense, I gave a D, and defense uh, C minus. Council, I gave a B plus, and the coaching staff as a whole, Stearns a C, and then overall for the entirety of the organization this year, I'd give them a C minus. The only saving grace is that they made the postseason. Right. But at the same time, they still, I thought, were below expectations. They would not have even been close to a playoff spot had they been in a normal playoff format. And they were kind of a joke of a playoff team almost. Yeah. So even though I'd say it was successful in them making the playoffs, they need to position themselves better for next year. And this team was not not very good. Yeah, I would have given them a better grade than a C-, minus, like you said, just, just because they made the playoffs. So some could argue, you know, you call it a failure of a season. They still made the playoffs. Uh, you think about the Brewers 15 years ago, if they made the playoffs, you give them a, an A+. Plus. It doesn't matter who was playing or how they got in. They made the playoffs. Uh, so I'm, I'd go higher than a C-. I might go C+, plus, uh, for the fact, again, that they made the playoffs and that the pitching did look uh, promising as well. Uh, but disappointing here for the Brewers as a whole. 
And uh, before we wrap things up, well, let's just move on to our next segment, our random player of the day. Uh, this is going to be uh, quite a random one. I would be impressed if, if you've heard of him. Uh, David, who you got today? Dick Davis, outfielder in DH. He played for the Brewers uh, between 1977 and 1980. Uh, he got let go um, right before that the, the influx of talent came yeah. in in 81. Uh, but he was not very good over his Brewers career. 264 average, which was fine. And that's probably why he kept getting playing time. But a 291 on base and a 390 slugging. Ouch. Negative two war over his entire career, which also saw him play a little bit in Philadelphia, Toronto, and Pittsburgh over the next three years. He also came from Snow College in Utah, which I have never heard of. One of only three um, players who have ever played in the majors uh, who are from Snow College. That's, yeah, That's kind of interesting. Davis. I've heard the name before, know nothing mm -hmm. about him, Same. Uh, but 77 to 80 with the Brewers, DH outfielder. So there's your random player of the day, Dick Davis. Uh, let us know if you were one of the few people that actually knew who he was. You can always reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, what's our what's our handle there? I always forget. At Brewers Podcast. That's right, at Brewers Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Super active on Twitter. Um, so definitely tweet us at Brewers Podcast. And then our trivia question of the day. If you can remember back, it's been a little bit of a longer episode. But who are the Brewers' top three winningest managers in Brewers history? David, your three guesses. My three guesses would be Phil Garner, Craig Council, and Tom Treblehorn. Uh, you do have a top spot there with Phil Garner. Garner with 563 wins. He's actually followed by Ned Yost, uh, manager for the Brewers from 03 to 08. He has 457 wins. And then finally, Craig Council, Brewers, of course, Brewers present manager, 423 wins uh, now after the 2020 season. Uh, if it was a regular season this year, likely would have passed Yost uh, this year, but assuming... All things uh, go as planned. Council will pass Yost next year for that number two spot uh, as the second winningest manager mm -hmm. in Brewers history. And hopefully he would pass Garner the following year. Yeah. Garner did manage eight years uh, with the Brewers, whereas Council has only managed about about five full right. seasons. Right, right. That's right, because he did... Did he start midway through, or did he... Yeah, start, he started... Yeah. Well, towards the beginning of the season, it was early right. May. Uh, also, Harvey Keen has the highest winning percentage of any Brewers manager... Well, no, well, wait, 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 we got to manage more than 12 games. Dale Swaim. Oh, wait, remember that? I remember uh -huh. that. That was, uh, yeah. yeah. That was a bold move by Doug Bailey to fire Yost mm -hmm. uh, with just 12 a few games. games yeah, 12 games mm -hmm. left in the regular season. Swaim mm -hmm. being promoted, and, it, I mean, ultimately it worked. I, I'm kind of curious what the relationship was between Yost and Melvin. Like, what exactly? It's not probably an answer we'll ever get. Uh, but what led to that firing uh, so late in the season uh, at such a crucial point for the Brewers? Uh, but, yeah, Swaim with the, holding the highest winning percentage of the Brewers at 583. Harvey Keen, of course, holding the, the true title, uh, managing nearly 300 games. Keen with a 576 winning percentage, of course, known for his role as the manager of the 82 Brewers. Mm -hmm. But Council does have the highest winning percentage among those guys at the very top. Uh, so... Council, I think, has been a very successful manager, and I, I, I believe that he's gotten progressively better throughout the years of his managing. Yeah, I've been impressed with Council. I, I think uh, if all things go well, Council goes down as possibly the Brewers' best manager of all time, at least at the point of what, whatever that looks like for him. Uh, but Brewers fans seem to be pretty happy with Council as a whole and seems to continue to improve, like you said. I did want to also point out that Ken Maka, 
um, has had 157 wins as a Brewers manager and unfortunately cracks the top 10 most winning Brewers manager uh, in his brief time with the Brewers from 09 to 2010. Uh, kind of the last, well, he really was the last, I guess, traditional manager. Redick, he wasn't super... Um, and I guess sabermetric. The, the only the only thing is Maka actually came from the Moneyball A's, oh, really? which is interesting. I don't, I still wouldn't. Yeah, That's I right. would categorize right. him more as a traditional manager, but I don't know. I don't know exactly what category he would fall into other than bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. I do. I, that's right. I do remember now coming from from the A's. Um, but yeah, Maka was not very successful in his time. So there you have it. Again, Brewers top three winningest managers: Phil Garner, Ned Yost, and Craig Council. So we did actually get David on this one. I believe this is the first one you've gotten wrong. Actually, if I'm second, second, okay. So that's impressive. I, I actually thought this one you maybe would be able to get, but. Either way, pat yourself on the bat if back if you did get that one. Uh, but to wrap things up, again, thanks for listening. Uh, we got our uh, pitchers' grades done today, as well as the team grades as a whole. And again, our random player of the day, Dick Davis, and we did list the Brewers' top three winningest managers. Do want to apologize if it was a little bit loud in the background. We didn't have the most ideal setup for today's podcast recording, but uh, should be better next time. Apologize if there was any background noise. We got a crying baby, a dog. We got some hammering going on. So if you heard any of that, that's what that was. Again, thanks for listening and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.